Frank. It's official. WWDC is over five days. Oh my goodness. Are you still alive? Are you got a pulse going on? Like, how are you detoxing? What's going on? Wait, does that mean that I can't just lay on the couch all day anymore and call that work? Like, I really enjoyed my week of eating potato chips and watching nerdy videos on TV. Don't take that away from me, James. WWDC all summer. I said it here first. WWDC all summer. Well, I want to say this. Uh, Heather and I were recently talking about uh, conference fatigue, if you will, because right now there's so many conferences, there's so many online, and there's so much content out there that I think you did it right because often a new conference comes out and you're trying to mesh the conference with work at the same time and you don't really get the full enjoyment of it. Like WWDC for me every year has always been watch the keynote, watch the developer stuff, go back to work. Like I've never been in person where you have full, more fully integrated a little bit into WWDC. And then this year, right, it was fully online and everything was available. Now, had you gone to WWDC, you probably wouldn't be working on iCircuit or Calca or other things. You may be testing new features or doing other things from DubDub, but you would be there sort of watching content sessions like you're actually there. So if you were just on your couch eating po potato chips, um, <laughs> drinking a Bodhi, then I think you did it right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I wasn't drinking. I should have been drinking. I should have had like a game. We should have come up with some kind of bingo game every time this happened or that happened. Time to take a drink. Never mind. That's not fair to everyone. Um, but I blame uh, YouTube for this. Uh, during all the virus, I've really become a YouTube addict. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate 10 to 30 minute videos. Yeah. Those are a great time frame. Like you just as you're getting a little bored, you're like, oh, the video's over. Cool. What's the next one? You know, yeah. it's, it's got like just that kind of right rhythm to it. And so I started out, I had honestly not really any intentions on watching all the videos because it just never worked out for me in the past like you. I could only get through a few before I just got bored with all of it, mm. uh, which obviously is very different from the conference. At the conference, you're paying a lot of money. You go yeah. to the darned <laughs> session. Go to those sessions. Um, yeah, you're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I just got hooked. I just started, I started hitting favorites. Uh, it started marking your watched videos and it became a little gamified. Gosh, I'm so glad they didn't put like a score card on there and top ranked people and things like that. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just pick topics and get through it all. It was fun. I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I am very similar. I God, maybe I used to never watch YouTube ever. And then I fell into it like a year, year and a half ago, and I pay for the YouTube premiums because I never want to watch ads. And uh, that was cool because I also use Google Play Music. So it was a good combo where I sort of got it all included for free. Uh, who doesn't love no ads plus a music service and all those, you know, all that good stuff that yeah. comes with it. But I, I'm, I, I agree the 10 to 15 minute episodes, maybe a random, you know, 20, 30 very randomly. And if you watch the Xamarin show, the show that I produce on channel nine, you'll have noticed a trend, which is I used to do 30 to 40 minute videos consistently. And now the videos mm. are sometimes 10, often 15, rarely over 20 yeah, because that nice. content works. And if you look at average view time, it's consistent. It's around, you know, five to eight minutes. You know, you're, you're not getting a lot of uh, view time and you got to pull people in. And I think looking at those time marks from Apple, they sort of figure that out, which is impressive seeing that they don't own YouTube. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't perfect. I, I would say overall, it was fantastic. But I, well, we can talk about this part too. They um, paced out the videos over the days. So you mm. couldn't watch all the videos when you wanted to, which was kind of annoying because you'd watch a video on Monday and they'd say, make sure to watch this video. And then you would see it's on Friday. And you're like, well, guess I'm going to be on the couch all week, not just then. <laughs> but then Friday would come along and then you know, you sat through a 30 minute video that was okay. And then the topic you're all excited for in my case is 13 minutes. I'm like, no, I wanted it to be a 30 minute one. It was like, who, who's picking who gets a 30 minute video? I didn't quite understand the rationale behind a five day virtual conference. Maybe it was because they assume that people are 
you know, at work all day. So they have a few minutes here and there to watch the videos and they wanted to make it mo- every single day to be a moment. They did an end of day highlight reel, but I don't know what you're highlighting. Cause it's just a bunch of v- videos that you release yeah. unless I'm missing something, but no, let me address that. I, I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's not fair to people's time because mm. You know, like it would have been nice if I could have just blocked out Monday and Tuesday and watched all these videos, but they kind of forced me to space it out over the week, which I'm not a good multitasker. As soon as I start drinking that Bodhi and watching the videos, I'm basically useless for the rest of the day. I might like do some hacking, but just on a toy project, I don't get any real work done. Um, so I kind of felt by the end of it, I would have preferred the Netflix model of just just give me all the videos. I'm an adult. I'll figure out how to handle them. What would have been nice is that they, if they would have themed the days and and I've seen it build, they've done keynote themes where day one might be Azure and day two might be developer tools and day three, like, you know, there's three days, there's mm-hmm. three different keynotes to launch the day, but I don't believe they did that at all. And it was no. sort of a smattering of different videos. And you're right. You're like, I'm really interested in Apple Silicon and all right, well, you get mm-hmm. a, one video each day and you're like, all right, well. All right, or, or just imagine you're only a tvOS developer and you're like, all right, I gotta trickle back every day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess um, but this is where the the hooky part comes in. I ended up watching a bunch of videos on technologies I just really wasn't interested in. But mm. all of a sudden I'm like, how could I integrate that into my app? Why, yes, I do need to do better metal performance analysis. Why why shouldn't I be doing metal performance analysis? That's good. So it worked. I, I believe that that means that they got it. They did it. They hooked you, Frank. Oh, they did. We we need a new name for this. It's it's just called a video conference or a viral video conference, something like that. Oh, I didn't even mean for that pun. Never mind. Subtract that. Delete that from the record. Oh, because there's a global pandemic right now happening. Is that why? But um, bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you didn't watch any of the videos. Were you like hanging out on Twitter? Like, how were you keeping? Did you read all the titles of the videos and just say not for me or just no time to sit on the couch? So uh, there's t- two factors of this. One is I did watch the keynote. I did watch the platform developer. And that's what I do every single year. And often what I'll end up doing is once the first you know previews of Xamarin stuff comes out and there's the major technologies, then I sort of go back and watch the videos. So to, and that's what I've done at WWDCs in the past, because obviously I'm not there, although they do upload them very fast, to be honest with you. Yeah. Same with Build and Google IO nowadays, even if you're not attending, you're almost can attend virtually regardless. Uh, but I didn't watch them because it was a very frantic, crazy week at work. And I just didn't have time to do it. And I figured you were going to watch some and fate and, you know, favorite the ones that you like. So you can send them to <laughs> me and say, James, you really need to watch this. Uh, but th- that was the only reason why. And and to be honest, I, I want to go back to build and watch a bunch of build videos. And I, Google I.O. didn't happen this year, but it'd be the same where I probably didn't watch anything that day. And that's the that's my sort of problem currently in the in the conference space is I need I would like to dedicate some time to go and attend virtual you got air quotes going on here because even i would speak at a conference uh, you just spoke at the wilderness conference i don't know how that was but you know as as far as uh presenting but when you present at a conference now you just dial into a a thing and then you present and then you're done you know i guess you could <laughs> watch other co- sessions but you know, I, I don't know how that worked for you at the wilderness thing. Did you attend other comp- sessions and things like that? Um, I did. I slept in a little bit. So, and well, you know, that's typical for me, even at real Conference. conferences. I, was say, I, I believe that that is no different, Frank, than anything ever I would expect. I always miss the morning sessions. If you want me to come to your session, don't book it in the morning. <laughs> um, so um, I watched like the couple sessions before mine and then hung out till the end of the day for mine. It, um, it was just a one day conference, uh, but they had two tracks going, which was kind of complicated and fun. As a presenter, I didn't mind it. Um, I think like all presenters, you kind of prefer an audience just because there's energy you get from mm. people. 
you like being able to look into their faces. You get feedback whether, you know, the things you're saying are being understood or not. There's just so many benefits to having a live audience. I feel bad for all the late night people talking about YouTube binges. Mm. I watch all the late night shows. I never used to watch late night shows, but now that they're on YouTube, I watch all of them. Mm. And I, I felt bad for them because it was fun watching them adapt to the medium where you're just talking into silence. Yeah. And I think that was the weirdest thing when I got started in Twitch was uh, talking, not having an audience, just talking and realizing, oh, wait, there's no laugh track or anything. I'm just going to have to assume that joke landed. Probably didn't, but I'm just going to assume <laughs> it did and go on. Yeah. You know what was interesting, though? The um, Dub Dub 20 videos would link to Dub Dub 19 videos. Mm. And. I always got a sick feeling in my stomach when that happened because there was such a contrast between the pacing of the videos and the content. Like they would link you to a one hour video and you're like, oh gosh, one hour. Do I really want to invest that much time into this? <laughs> and then you realize it's an hour because they bring up four or five distinct mm. kind of topics and things like that. And so I think what we're learning is the YouTube model of one video one topic is just the way to go yeah yeah I, I think so too and you can easily embed that into documentation and link back on a specific topic instead of saying like hey load up this video and go to minute 25 and 34 seconds right <laughs> uh, which is which is good too uh it's a, it's a fascinating observation and i question though if they go back to in person next year i assume not but let's say they do Maybe 2022. 2022. Yeah, I mean, even Microsoft and Google and maybe Apple are, they, I think they all came out and said at least June through June 2022, which is every single tech conference. Oh, really? I didn't hear yeah. that. That was, that's an that's official thing. That's not an inside baseball thing. I at least know Microsoft did, but I, I want to assume both Google and Apple have said that. I, I Don't quote me on that, but I know Microsoft mm -hmm. has. Either way, um, it's a while away. Yeah, through 2021. So the next possible like Ignite could be 2021. And then the next possible build could be 2022. I mean, of course, they could change whenever build happens. They could change whenever WWDC happens, but probably not sure. just because of how hardware and software releases that there schedules. Are, yeah, schedules seem to occur at the same pace. Uh, but I guess if they ever do it in person again, do you think they'll just go back to their normal cadence? Gosh, how do you? How how does this not change everything to some degree? I mean, certainly you can, and maybe it'll be like a throwback thing, but maybe that'll happen in 2030. I think in the short term, of course, things are going to change. Uh, they have to. Uh, i <laughs> not supposed to get excited over pandemics, but I like change, James. I like to see the world progress, so I'm excited to see how conferences change, but I think it's honestly hard to predict. Um, you, you probably know better than I do. You're, you're better at the conferences. You've attended more conferences than I think any human should be allowed to <laughs> attend. So it'd be, what do you think? How will it change? Oh man. Uh, that's a great question. Well, one thing that I've noticed with .NET Conf is those sessions have also shortened. Uh, the most recent Xamarin one, uh, those sessions were shortened down to 25 to 30 uh, tw 25 minutes or so, which was good. And those could shorten down even more probably to 20. It depends how much Q and a you want to try to do. The, the thing that I always have found is unless you're very, very strict on the timing, often there's no time for Q and a. So even trying to factor in a Q and a time doesn't make a lot of sense, especially virtually. It's just so hard. I was in some of the build sessions and there's just so many questions happening so fast it you can't even comprehend it. So I believe that going forward, I would continue to see this trend towards shorter sessions. And in fact, if you've attended build in person uh, last year, or the years before, you've seen this trend occur. There are theater sessions, which are 15 minute sessions, mm -hmm. and most of the sessions are trimmed down to 30 or 45 minutes, unless it's a major keynote. So I believe Microsoft has already been thinking about this of trying to maximize the number of sessions and 
go beyond sessions, think of interactions and engagement and in workshops and labs in person. So that is the the value. I think Microsoft, at least from inside baseball of me attending and presenting at conferences, it feels as though we've attempted to think of, hey, um, this is a James line. This is an official line. But like from my seeing, right, of, of being involved with Build has been, hey, you know, people can get these videos online afterwards. What are the experiences like? Well, the experiences of being able to engage with the speakers, be able to do workshops and virtual labs and, and uh, you know, meet, you know, for one-on-one sessions and do things like that seem to be more of the engagement that in-person conferences are going for. So I think if you're going to be throwing a, a conference and there's different levels, right, of conference, like if we had another down at Fringe and it was one track in person, I would go to that because, I don't know, that was always a cool little get together with you know, all, all of our .NET mm-hmm. friends. So that is cool. But for virtual, I, I see them, I, you know, I see them fitting into, um, I, I see them fitting into similar formulas I can, I can, I can see either way of going all, all on demand or not on demand. I enjoyed how we did .NET Conf because it was, for all intents and purposes, um, just one continuous stream of content that you could put on in the background. But there were, instead of it just being like, here's a speaker, here's a speaker, here's a speaker. There's a little bit back and forth and some Twitter comments. So there was some engagement, and and I did. I've always appreciated that about .NET Conf and the, the marketing team that have put that together. Uh, and thought about some different ideas of engagement have been unique. So to me, you, you want to just not have another conference. You want to have conference that makes you feel like you're part of it a little bit and can generate a little bit of buzz too. So that's my long mm. spiel, Frank. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea. I think that any, anything will probably work. And if it's good content, people will come. I think that's probably yeah. what it is, but yeah. uh, who knows at the end of the day. Yeah, just while while you were talking, I was daydreaming, and uh, <laughs> I was thinking, uh, I just kind of want conferences to be, yeah, a little more human. So we we now know how a virtual conference can function. We know how to do kind of efficient data dumps onto people. I don't think we're ever going to get below a 10-minute video. I don't want to see a five-minute programming video. That'll be scary. So I'm hoping we're getting to the bottom of how quickly you can data dump. Uh, so I... I'm curious if you'll see, uh, like you were saying, more labs or uh, things like that. I never attend labs and conferences. I'm always intrigued by them, but labs would always take up like half the day or something. And I'm just like, I I don't do commitment. It's not in my vocabulary. So I'm just like, nope, not doing a lab. So I'm wondering if like maybe we could get like cool one hour labs and things like that. Just make it more personal. So it's like Mm. you're not watching a YouTube video right now. You're actually... uh, you're at a conference where we can actually talk to each other. It's going to be a unique, unique thing. Yeah, they and they did those WWDC one on ones. I've done that at Google I.O. Cool. before. I've done that. Good. And those are cool. I've done that with Google I.O. I, I went and did a design review with someone from the material. I think I was before material design before I'm someone from somebody at the design team at Google. They I, they reviewed my app and they gave me tips and mm. pointers. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, like, that's cool. That's something I didn't take advantage at WWDC is they actually did have those labs. But Mm. um, yeah, I just, you know, I have a million questions I would love to ask Apple engineers. I just was worried I was going to get stage fright. I wouldn't know what what topic do I even say I want to talk about? I'm like, hey, I want to talk about everything. Could you bring me an engineer (laughs) that knows everything, please? (laughs) Um, So I didn't do any of the labs, but... um, I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit. I should have done at least one or two. I, I think there was also, there's a limit there because it was a one-on-one with an Apple engineer and that kind of stinks. I, I would almost rather see like a little dynamic unconference thing happen where a bunch of people say, hey, I would like to do a one-on-one with an engineer on this topic. Mm. And then they do a live show or something where they actually do audience engagement and things like that. Um, but that's asking a lot. I just, <clears throat> the one-on-ones I just think are just terribly efficient, inefficient in this day and age. Like, I don't see the point. Yeah. yeah. As an Apple developer, as a part of your $99 a year, you get like one or two support requests to Apple. Anytime you face a hard problem, you can email them and 
They're required by contract <laughs> to reply to you in some form or another. Um, but, you know, it also made me appreciate um, what I called the more talk show elements of mm-hmm. the Microsoft uh, Build Conference, I think is the one I'm thinking of. And uh, it was fun. That was that was good little breaks. You know, I liked the YouTube model of I could just pick which video to watch next. But I wouldn't have minded some kind of little live commentary thing. And I know, like you said, they did the wrap-ups, but I never watched the wrap-ups because it just seemed weird. I I guess it's tough to go between the pick-your-poison kind of video service to the we're-going-to-guide-you-through-the-day kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, it would have been fascinating to see how that would have worked because they couldn't have just put out a bunch of videos at once. So they could have done some, and then like here's a few that are going to be in a stream that can be on demand afterwards. But then again, you're like, okay, well, we're already holding a bunch of these videos. And, <laughs> you know, it is it is very, I think yeah. any virtual conference, regardless how big or how small, is complicated. And I give a lot of credit to everyone that's done it. Uh, and and uh, as I've attended many, and I've enjoyed all of my time. That's the thing is I've enjoyed all of them that I've gone to. Some of them I've been able to attend for longer. Some of them not as long as I would have liked. But yeah, that's sort of what I say. Congratulations to Apple, to Microsoft, to to every other conference that I've (laughs) attended or will attend in the future because it's not it's not easy to pull off an in-person or virtual conference. It's quite impressive. That's fair. You always think it's like, oh, all you got to do is book a space and get some speakers and then you're done. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, well, speaking of which, you know what also I really got in tune with was conference apps. I know this is a beloved topic for you. And it really made me appreciate good apps versus bad apps. And I mean that all that I'm using the WWDC app, but wow, it works differently on different platforms. <laughs> so uh, I think... The iOS one was the best version of it. It had some interesting features, James. Like while you're watching the show, it could show you the slides in real time and the code snippets and copy code snippets to the clipboard. Very fancy kind Mm. of feature like that. Um, But where then you have the Apple TV version, which is a grid view of every single video. Mm. It was like, this is useless. <laughs> Just like it's not even alphabetical order. It's not a hundred percent in order of the release date of the videos. It's absolutely maddening finding a stupid video on it. And it technically has a search input, but who wants to use search? I don't want to use search. So it really taught me like, um, yeah, if if you're gonna make a virtual conference these days, I think you have to have I think you have to have a better platform than Zoom. Like, I think maybe we're going to start seeing some better conference apps now. That would be nice. Uh, I am a very large fan of it. And in fact, I like that uh, Apple put it inside of the developer app. They have a developer app that has a bunch of other stuff in there. There's an account. So it was, it was more than just WWDC in there. You could browse, you could download stuff, and you can discover things. I'm sure they can use this in the future for news and other shenanigans happening in the developer world, which I like, because often you downloaded a conference application, and as soon as the conference is over, it's gone. So I would say that that would be nice if there is yeah, more things in it. Uh, That's cool that they did that. And it also makes sense that the TV version is pretty different because you're not really going to copy and paste that into your your IDE anytime soon. But I mean, they took some time and thought about the consumption model between the different devices. And I wonder what the, you know, watch OS equipment, if there was a watch OS app or if there was an, if the iPad one was a lot different or, or if there was a Mac application, like ideally there'd be a Mac application with catalyst that they could do. And how would that be spiced up in some way? That would be cool. I love when, I love when apps use the new features that are announced at the conference. Now that's cool. Oh yeah. That's, that's elite level. I don't think they were pulling that one off. Yeah. But it made me think about like the new HBO max, like, like here we have 8 million videos and here's a giant grid view of 8 million videos. (laughs) Good luck. I just feel like this virus is teaching us. We need more media organization. This is, 
intolerable to find what we want. <laughs> I demand a better user interfaces, James. I agree. Well, there are many ways for us to create user interfaces now for all of Apple platforms. And uh, even though WWDC is over, our journey, Frank, has just began because both of us are receiving developer transition kits. I mentioned it on the first pod last week, but Frank, congratulations. Welcome to the DTK Club. Thank you, James. I'll admit I was terribly envious and jealous. I actually don't know the difference between those two words, so I was both. I was It's inclusive or of you. Um, but yes, thank you. I'm a part of the club. I will not make a big deal out of it. I've already had a celebration, invited all my friends over. Just kidding. Quarantine joke. Um, <laughs> I'm excited, though. Uh, I have a lot of Mac and a lot of iOS apps, and I have questions <laughs> like, are the x86 versions going to run well on this? Well, did we even say what a DDK is? Maybe we should define it. But um, are my apps going to run well on it? Basically, is the question I want to know. Yeah, DTK is the uh, Apple Developer Transition Kit. And what this is, is a <laughs> Apple Mac Mini with the ARM, or as we like to call it, Apple Silicon, built right in for us to use. And it's running early versions of uh, Big Sur, Mac OS 11, and it is early versions of early Silicon, and what the DTK is, is it's a program that anyone could register for as long as you're an Apple developer. And you didn't necessarily have to have a Mac app because the idea of it is that you can run your iOS apps also on there, which is cool, or do it with Catalyst, either or. So there's many ways to do it. Uh, but there was a section if you had an app. It didn't say what platform. It did say app as far as I remember. And I did put in my stream counter. Very popular app, not as quite <laughs> as many downloads as all of your apps, but I got approved right away, which is cool. And it is a program in which you give Apple five hundred dollars. It's just <laughs> you know, you just give it to them. They some send... people call that a payment, but we're just we're just giving it to them. Uh, it's a barter we... system with cash. <laughs> just a, it, we just give them the money, and what they do in return, very nice of them, is they they agree to. Uh, to you know, they give you the privilege loan. Uh, to loan <laughs> the they give the privilege to loan uh you this piece of hardware for a unset amount of time but at any time they can ask it back and you must return it within 30 days or they reserve the rights of banning your entire account which is in the terms this is on the internet which we talked yeah. about last week so uh, the frank before the pod was like what can we talk about? What we cannot? I was like, we don't have it. So we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> Technically. Yeah. I'm so scared when Apple says something like deactivate your account. I'm like, yeah, but I make my living off that account. Like that's true. That's, that's bad. You're not allowed to deactivate that Apple. Even if I screw up the shipping, like what if I screw up the shipping label? I'm absent-minded, James. I make mistakes all the time. Uh, either way, um, I'm super excited about this, uh, not just because it's a fancy new shiny piece of hardware, but every year I ruin my Mac by installing the beta operating system on my mm. dev machine. And this means, oh, thank goodness, this year I'm going to have an extra Mac around where I'm actually going to be able to just have two computers and I can leave my dev machine alone. So, ooh, that is making the beta summer so much easier. Um, an extra Mac. <laughs> I'm I'm well, I'm legit I'm legit excited for it because my main Mac is a 2013. I do not believe that that upgrades to Mac OS 11, from my understanding. <laughs> so this would be the only way for me to test it because my MacBook Adorable, which would be viable, I assume, to upgrade, is in quarantine on campus, so I cannot get <laughs> to it. So this is my only way. Thank you, Apple, for letting me give you $500 for me to test this and. Uh, before I say that, it, it may seem crazy to think like, hey, we're just giving Apple $500. And, and I want to I want to at least tell you my thoughts here and you can tell me your thoughts because I tweeted about this uh, and a few people were were participating. They had participated in the PowerPC to Intel transition many, many moons ago. And they said that there was a very similar program. And back in the day, at least, if you like gave Apple bug reports and participated and used it and sent it back to them, they sent you hardware. They sent you just new hardware that you could have forever. So that I don't know if they're going to do that again or give you a credit uh, or just keep your $500. Uh, 
those, those are all viable things, but I do plan on using it, testing it, and hopefully providing valuable feedback, not only for the OS, but for my applications that are both written in uh, UI kit and um, app kit, technically. And also, um, maybe I'll try out some just, you know, Xcode, SwiftUI test. It was on my bucket list for <laughs> last year, if you remember, for my holiday hack. So maybe this, again, will be a good way of testing on all the new Xcode stuff that I won't actually get to try. So, Wow. Um, you're just blowing my mind how you ended there, but I'm going to go back to some of the things you said in the early beginning. The poor adorable is under quarantine. That's so sad. I didn't I didn't know you've been separated. Oh, yeah. how's it making it without you? No, I don't know. I, I assume it's still there. Uh, I assume. Right. Uh, let me actually it's not even on find my so I don't even know. Oh, good. Oh, good. The poor little thing has lost power. Gosh, how you treat no, your computers. No, no, no. no. <laughs> even, even worse, that's on a different Apple developer. That's on a different Apple ID than oh, any God. of my personal devices. So, oh, no. You I, don't love it. You just don't love it. I guess I can. Oh, you know what I'll do is on my test iOS device, I will log in with my my Xamarin account and then see if that works. So it's actually like my Xamarin account that I create my Apple ID. Maybe that's what it is. If I can find it. I don't know. I also have a surface book to 15 inch that's in quarantine, just sitting there and so many monkeys in quarantine on the campus. Oh, so yeah. Oof. And a surface well, duo surface duo, just sitting there in quarantine. Can't get to it. Oh, for it's real. Just, yeah. yeah. Just sitting there. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Wow. You're rich on quarantine devices. I'm, so I'm, I think, <laughs> no, I mean, these are all devices that I do not personally own. They're all corporate, <laughs> corporate machines. Let me make that clear. Speaking of which, the DDK, which we will not own, we are just being allowed to lend, just borrow it. Um, I think it's a best case scenario. It's what you mentioned about the old dev kits turning mm. into magical new hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, at a $500 price point, I'm not too optimistic that we're, nah. we're going to get anything. I think Apple is 100% within their rights to give us absolutely nothing in the end. Um maybe second best case is just give us a store credit for whatever uh, crazy device you come out with. But it is funny how this is all a blast from the past, listening to those old developers that went through the uh, previous transition, the big previous from PowerPC to Intel. Like we've seen that it's called Rosetta 2 and uh, Universal Libraries 2. And it also turns out uh, the hardware ID they're using for these devices is just one increment higher than what they did for the previous transition. So it's kind of it's kind of retro. It's kind of fun. I, it kind of makes me hope there's a bunch of like 50 and 60 year old engineers like running the show. They're like, well, this is how we did it last time. Let's do it this way. And that, I think that'd be super awesome. Um, but it's probably not. It's probably a bunch of kids out of college. But um, either way, I'm super excited. You brought up the running iOS apps on the Mac OS. And that's the one that really blows my mind. Um, because Catalyst is one thing. I can see recompiling UI kit, all that kind of snazzy stuff. But just g- grab any old iOS app off the App Store <laughs> and run it. I, I'm i just going to grab every app I can and see yeah. how they run because I, I have a morbid curiosity about how they operate. I, I'm I, sure my apps will be fine. I hope that there's a way to take my existing... You know, as long as I install my certs on it, take an existing app, you know, create the executable and just like install it, run it. You know, I don't know if I'll be able to run it from obviously, obviously not from Visual Studio, but even go, I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to go into Xcode and hit F5 and see, you know, a a UI kit app running, but it would be really cool to take my final uh, IPA uh, and inside there's a dot app and just run that dot app directly on the ARM mac the apple silicon if you will uh yeah i think that would be neato i don't know how it's going to work but i i i'm blown away uh because if i don't have to do any work then i'm very i'm a happy happy uh happy camper over here if i have to do a little work then then i don't know what that work will be (laughs) so i really want to try it out that's what i'm saying yeah um i it's so interesting. Um, so going back to running random IPAs on the computer, I don't have the highest hopes. I'm sure some hacker out there will make it work. Mm. But 
Um, I have a feeling that everyone that receives a dev kit is going to be doing a bunch of summer updates to all their iOS apps because they're going to see it run on this computer and they're like, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest change is going to be what Apple was saying for Catalyst support. To make an app feel good on Mac, you need to adopt iPad features, essentially. So I think what's going to happen is, ideally... A bunch of apps that are iPhone apps will become iPad apps and, by transition, Mac apps. I think that that's what Apple wants, and I know it's going to work on me, so their their plan is fine by my terms. Well, Apple has a good advantage here uh, with these Apple Silicon because how do we test our iOS applications today, Frank? Oh, well, I I have a bunch of test devices that I've kept around for years and try to keep running over the ages. And then once I want more than just me testing, I do test flight. Okay. What were you you thinking? You went too far. You go into Mm. Visual Studio or Xcode and you hit F5 and a simulator pops up on your computer. Yes. Yes. That's uh, how I do it. You're right. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) 90% of the time, that's how I do it. You're right. Okay. So... So we know that that's how that pops up. And we know that iOS applications at this point will expand in contrast to length and width uh, and height and width, I should say, length and width, height and width of, of a screen because we run on that series of devices that you've said, right? You run it on iPhone 5, 8, 7, X. Uh, and, and we know that that scaling technology should also apply here pretty mm-hmm. well. And yeah. the advantage is that we test all of our applications for both Android too on Android emulators, but on iOS simulators is we test them on, on the metal and we test them with mice and keyboards. So guess what? They probably work halfway decent already with mice and keyboard. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> kind of funny. Oh, yeah. I, I've been saying that forever. Everyone's talking about, well, make sure we have good pointer support in your apps. I'm like, how do you develop apps? All I use is a mouse. <laughs> uh, the only problem where that comes up is the multi-touch. Uh, mm. The multi-touch gestures are kind of terrible in the simulator, and they really haven't changed since iOS 2 when they first came out. It's still hold the alt key, move the mouse, hold shift, move it more, accidentally hit the wrong button and start all over again. Yeah. It's kind of, I kind of hate it. Um, but I think that's why we know we're getting touchscreen max because no one can do the multi-gesture support. It's too impossible. It's a good point. In fact, you may have to think about uh, how you structure your UI kit app on a Mac, because if it has crazy gestures and a bunch of other things, it's not super realistic. A good example is this, is maybe don't have only swipe to delete as an option. Maybe have that good old edit button in the top right. Everyone loves a good edit (laughs) button because that will put it into an edit mode so you don't have to swipe to delete, swipe to delete, swipe to delete. You know what I mean? So some, some ideas there Uh, would be good. And I'm really fascinated because there are a lot of features like long pressing and a bunch of other things and force touch gestures that I'm going to be very fascinated to see how those come over. Because again, the Mac that we're going to be getting, Frank, doesn't have a keyboard, doesn't have a monitor, (laughs) doesn't have a mouse. Right. It is a box. (laughs) Do you have a Thunderbolt monitor? I hope it has HDMI. I hope it has. (laughs) I hope it has HDMI. Uh, that is a good question. I do have a nice Dell high-end 2K monitor that has all sorts of different inputs. So I'm sure I can get a converter to something to something. But here's the thing. you I just described your worst nightmare, which is that <laughs> while Frank, it is very, very true that many Mac machines have a screen attached to them that may get a touchscreen in the future. There are many, many, many Macs, including the one that you're recording this podcast on, the don't. Hmm. Mm, making me sad you know what i keep thinking about though through all of this is will mac users be able to rate your app and leave reviews Ooh. Ooh. so what if you have an amazing ios app but oh whatever it's a little trashy on mac os now big pink elephant in the room the mac app store is significantly orders of magnitude smaller than um the mobile app store mm-hmm. um but it's still a force. It's not small. <laughs> I yeah. still am able to make a living off of it. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I'm really curious uh, how the if the reviews will get split between Mac Store and uh, I- iOS Store, or are they all just going to merge? Ooh, a little nervous now. It's a good question because today you have iCircuit on iOS and Android, and those are two. Or sorry, iOS. You'd have it on Android too, and P- mm-hmm. and Mac, and those are three mm-hmm. different reviews. Like yeah. your Mac reviews are not the same as as right. I, iOS. Right. But let's say hypothetically, I were to bring an IDE over to the Mac. Um, would it all of a sudden start getting Mac purchasers and people saying, oh, I don't like how this app, app operates mm. because it's not Mac-y enough. So then you, I know then you, for myself. Yeah. You decide okay. to opt out, right? Because you're like, oh, because you're op- everything's opt in. What if you have to opt out? Because guess what? The is it IDE? opt in or opt out, James? Which opt one out. It? Opt out. There's a big yeah, banner. Yeah, it's opt out. You're in by default, right? There's a big banner on developer.apple.com that says, when you log in, it says, like, we're going to make all of your applications. <laughs> Available on the Mac. <laughs> Available Good on the luck. Mac. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah, may the force be with you because it's happening. <laughs> so I'm going to have to put in my two-factor auth code. It's really exciting, isn't it? Like for years, we've been talking about Windows has gone through this stage with UWP and learning to run on an Xbox and phone and on the desktop. But it's really happening, James. Like mobile and desktop are merging, literally. Like Mm -hmm. just mobile apps are becoming desktop apps now. So it's, it's. I I think it's a good world to be in. I'm I'm excited for this insane future we're creating of YouTube videos and ARM processors. Yeah, there's a 77, 77% scale. That's what they do to Catalyst apps. So you take an iOS app and you scale it to 77%. That's what it's going to look like on Mac. Mm. So that's everyone, good. if you don't have a DDK, go scale your app to 77% to go see how it looks or opt uh, out. <laughs> and you should be able to do that inside of the iOS simulator. You can set a specific scale. I'm fairly positive. Yeah. Uh, I And then obviously with no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, What's that? The cutout at the top of your device, the the thingy, bezel, bevel, bezel. Well, you don't have a phone right now, so the bezel, the oh, the, James, the the notch, the notch in there. I was gonna throw that in. People can look at your Twitter later. But uh, <laughs> in fact, both Frank, we have we both have the perfect devices to test this on because I have an iPhone SE and you have an iPhone five, which became the first yes. iPhone SE, and I have the iPhone SE two. And neither of those have the notch. So basically, by us going back in time via you losing a device and by me switching to all Apple products throughout my entire household, we have officially become the perfect beta testers for Apple Silicon. No wonder Apple picked us. Wow, that's crazy. I think it was just a lottery. You you know, funny. (laughs) Just got lucky. (laughs) Funny part, I'll tell you this. By Apple awarding me the privilege and opportunity to receive oh, a DTK so for lease. I, I did give them <laughs> not only $500, I gave them another $400 for an Apple iPhone SE as I attempt oh. to see if I like it any better than Android. Here's my review. Uh, it feels like an iPhone. Oh, this coming from the guy where we did a whole podcast about getting uh, dumb phones. So I'm actually taking that as a bit of an insult. You should be like, wow, this is an iPhone. <laughs> you know, uh, here, here, uh, here's my, here's my, uh, here's my, th- okay, here's my, okay, we're, we're done with the DTK. I want to do one more thing about the DTK before I go here. Here mm-hmm. is the fun part about the DTK is some people think about .NET and think about the, the desktop and how many different ways there are to like build a desktop application. There are now at, at from Apple, right? Four <laughs> ways of doing it. For Apple yeah. Silicon, it's AppKit, UIKit, UIKit plus Catalyst or SwiftUI. Now, if you only do UI kit, you four. don't get four. Four. Just for the record, that's four. Four. Four of them. Now, if you do UI kit, you don't get Intel Max. But if you do any of the other ones, you do get them. But if you don't do UI kit, you don't get iOS or iPad or potentially tvOS. But also, like, if you don't do Swift UI, which is the only one that goes everywhere. So it's it's <laughs> quite fascinating. The the grid and we'll put a link to Dario Rubik, uh, his, uh, Twitter account. He did this awesome, uh, Bart, this chart, it's, it's, it's boxes in a box, which is great. Yeah. And we love uh, box charts. I love box charts. You can just, sw- you know, cut out Swift UI and it would basically Xamarin forms in the bottom of it, which is kind of funny, but 
Yeah, same. You know, I, I, I love to make fun of Microsoft and their UI APIs because to me, it's always just Win32. That's the one, that's the user interface library for uh, Microsoft. You can wrap it in a little mm-hmm. thing called WinForms that people seem to like, but that's mm-hmm. fine. It's still just Win32. Yeah. Uh, but then we got WinRT, then we got UWP. WPF. And w- uh, yeah, I totally skipped WPF. You worked there. on that. I literally worked on that one and I skipped it. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would at Silverlight we could throw in why not mm-hmm. um but if we're just counting living ones it's WPF UWP WinForms yeah. and Apple is up to roughly the same three or four where they're finally getting their giant cross-platform one which is going to be Swift UI it looks like Swift UI is going to be the one that covers all just like we have Xamarin Forms covering all the all the platforms yeah what kind what doesn't crazy. it run on <laughs> it runs everywhere yeah kind of kind of crazy it's it's very cool uh yeah yeah plus it's a pretty graph like out, out of all the box yeah. charts th- this one uses all the little ios features so i approve of it i do i like this one quite a bit it looks like it belongs in an iphone like if there yeah. were if there was a if, if there was a chart that that apple was putting in the settings menu that's what it would look like in a good app i'd be proud if i made a ui that looked oh, like yeah. that yeah. It, it reminds me of the app store kind of it's got the the bubbles like the you know today kind of like i don't, <laughs> know. I don't know a bunch of things yeah he, here's my one problem with the I, ios okay with the what iOS, you got? it's it's, yeah. it's uh you know there's it, it's very two-tone it's either very white or or oh. very very black in night or dark yeah. mode you know Compared yeah. to Android, because I have a lot of the I or the you know Google apps on here, there are a little bit more tones of gray, tones of white, tones of black, which I appreciate. Like I open settings and it's just like, you know, in your face. Uh, and I know most people probably just run everything in dark mode, but um, you know, I just I think that there's a little bit more shadows and contrast and things going on compared to, you know, I open up iMessage and. It's a table view like it's <laughs> I mean, yeah, no shade on iMessage, but everyone touts iMessage as this is the most holiest, amazing thing in the entire world. And sure, now I have a blue bubble. But besides that, I mean, it's 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 table view, Frank. I mean, now I know yeah. it's a collection view now, but like it is a table. view. In fact, it may still be a table view. I don't actually know. It, I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't it be? Um, yeah, I, James, I am so over iOS 7. Um, I am just, I'm looking at, I, I'm not into material. I think it's a little ugly, but um, I'm definitely looking around. Like, you know, I was into the neomorphism. I'm still mm-hmm. into it because at least it adds some texture, you know, something yeah. to the stupid UI. I mean, we're pushing all these pixels. The, that screen doesn't care if it's a white pixel or a gray pixel power-wise or anything. So make the stupid thing pretty. I am really over the web design aesthetic. Now, that said, the all-white everywhere has moved into Mac. And if mm. you want to hear people upset, because if there's one thing we love on Mac, it's our gray gradients. Yeah. Everything should be a great yeah. gradient. Oh, I yeah. agree. <laughs> so, like, bringing all that white on over is just like, oh, gosh, darn it. You know, uh, it's a little Windows. Um, which one did I want to make fun of there? Three Probably Windows one. 8. Okay. <laughs> I think Metro design had a little bit more flavor to it because there was at least different accent themes and colors to it. But, I mean, I'm in the... I'm in the, in the contacts application. Can you even call this an application? I mean... <laughs> How do you even favorite something? I mean, this everything's very disconnected. I mean, there are there are certain things I'm I'm surprised that people are able to figure out how to use this device. I mean, that being said, oh no, that's just moving. That's just you get used to one way, so the other way is dumb. You know, that's that's simple. Yeah, Don't. I mean, I'll get used to it, but it's surprising because I'm like when I go into my Android phone, I go into contacts or the dialer. It's beautiful faces. Like it's like oh, you know what <laughs> I mean. And then I'm like, yeah. well, how do I favorite someone? Impossible. Um, you know, it, yeah, you know, I was watching, I was watching one of those dub dub videos and yeah, the aesthetic is definitely, um, abide by our very simple rules. Keep your UIs kind of plain. Um, it used to be add little bits of flair, but even they seem to be putting that down. Uh, one of the engineers said something I just thought was so fascinating and I'm going to completely misquote it here, but it's going to be approximate. And it said something like, 
apps distinguish themselves by interactions, not by interfaces. And I was like, ah, okay. So I think he's saying that it's the structure of your app, um, the way you present the data, not so much, you know, making your table view have a cool linen background so much as it is design it to put the right information in the right spot so that users can accomplish tasks. So it's a little unfortunate that you're not able to accomplish your task of favoriting someone. That said, uh, I've been using iOS for years. I have no idea what you're talking about favoriting someone. I've never felt the need to do it. So I'm just like, uh, I guess that's an Android thing. <laughs> I want to I want to call you. And I want you to put you, put you in my favorites, and then I will call you. Oh, oh. no? I, yeah, I don't do that, no. It's the first tab, and yet it's not the one selected because context is selected when I go into the phone app. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I think it's called James. <laughs> that's how that I mean, works. You know, I turned off Siri immediately, so there's that. Uh, I have Google Assistant <laughs> turned off too, so don't worry. But I mean, I... Uh. I decided to give it a, a give it a test here of going all in, and I wrote a blog post on this. and And John Dick, welcome me to the iOS family. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I'm still an Android diehard. Uh, I, I definitely enjoy Android. I do enjoy this phone. I think this phone is really nicely designed. I know mm-hmm. it's an iPhone eight, but it it also uh, I'm a kind of over huge phone, so this is a very nice relief because it's nice and small. And the reason I'm over small f- or big phones. I should say it's because I have a Pixel 2 XL. It's ginormous. It's really big in my pocket. It's heavier. And also, it doesn't really fit very well in my DJI drone controller. And that's a <laughs> red, red flag. Yeah, a whole new constraint on your life. Can I fly my drone with this? Yeah, it comes up now. It's an mm-hmm. important topic to think about. Uh, did you see my drone video of the car driving through the forest? Yes, I did. Remember, you sent it to my Android phone and it compressed down to like pixels. But now if you send it to me again, it would be full resolution. That That's actually the one feature is iMessage is the, like the reason to basically own. If all your friends have iPhones and it's Videos. the reason to own it. Videos and yeah. photos. Yeah. Exactly. MMS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, but whatever, it's fine. I, I will I, say this. I will say this really quick on it and I'll, I'll shut up about it but I, ha- I have enjoyed basically installing all my google apps that i enjoy and love like i have photos Good. google wi-fi i got my google voice that i need uh, i have my google play music my youtubes they don't quite work as well as hmm. android like for example in youtube if you are watching a video and you hit the home button on android it will do a picture in picture and i know that's coming in ios 14 but uh, it doesn't exist today. It'll just continue to play in the background. That, that was a political thing, James. Like they disabled the feature because oh. Google wanted to make Android special. They even disabled on the web where like picture in picture mm. is by default how videos work on iOS. Oh. So that was Google and Apple traditionally not getting yeah. along. <laughs> yeah. I, As I, a, I, I, uh, yeah, but, but beyond that, I do enjoy some things that are built in, like the health application. Like, I don't have to give Google all my health data. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't have to give Google all my credit cards. And, you know, I don't have to, you know, give Google my precise location all the time. Like, I feel a little bit more secure in that regard. But that being said, you know, Heather keeps asking me, how do you like your iPhone? How do you like your iPhone? I'm like, it's a it's a phone. Like, it's, it's you know, <laughs> I'm not a phone power user anymore. So I have one screen of apps and that's it. It's the home screen and it has all the apps that I ever need on it. On the second screen is a bunch of folders with a bunch of junk in it that I can't uninstall like authenticators, things that I need very, very randomly. Uh, But I have everything on one page and here's my biggest gripe so far. Very upset about it. There's no way to easily alphabetize your applications you got to drag and drop all those little dinguses <laughs> around you know how long that took you go in and out of folders and you're like dragging too long here and then it swipes you to this screen and to that screen you're like oh my god oh my goodness how does anyone use this thing they don't reorganize them by name that's what they do so what is it a card catalog or a phone james no Come i, want, on I want everything in alphabetical order so i can see you know i like to uh, where's my gmail at it's right there perfect done i i literally just search for everything you pull down from the top and put the first letter of the app you want or the Siri auto-suggested app thing is Mm. so scarily good these days (laughs) that I pull down from the top of the screen and the app I want is almost always in that Mm. list. Maybe I should turn Siri on. I have it off 
right now. I'm so. almost to the point where I'm going for an empty home screen. That's how crazy Ooh. I'm getting with mine. Especially now that I've knocked myself down to an iPhone 5, I might actually go for the uh, iconless home screen. I'm glad you went back in time with me, Frank. I really appreciate it. I mean, I do have it's fun. a pretty awesome processor in this phone. It super flies and really, really fast. But uh, how are those you know how are those apps feeling on that iPhone 5 there, Frank? Slow. Slow, James. Slow. Oh, no. <laughs> Everything has a little bit of leg. Um, but that said, uh, these are amazing devices. You know, I because I'm an app developer, I can... I convince myself that it's okay to buy a new phone every year. And so I don't honestly spend much time with each phone. And it's just nice to see that, yeah, apps are a tiny bit slow, but that's just because I've gotten used to this like four core gigahertz processor on the iPhone 11. Um, But what wonderful little devices and this little iPhone 5 James is so light. So I'm totally happy to be a hipster all the way up until October when I can get my iPhone that has LiDAR and I can 3D scan the world because, oh my God, I'm doing that. Ooh, yes. I saw some cool tweets of some LiDAR demos and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm definitely breaking down and buying a phone this year. I wasn't going to. That That's the benefit of losing your phone is you get to buy a new phone. <laughs> that's true. If people didn't know, Frank lost his phone in the water, perhaps, or somewhere else. It's a mystery so much that the location that Find My Phone says is not a location at all. It's someone's backyard. Now, of course, it could just be, maybe, you know, it fell out of your kayak and it just swam because it's IP68 graded. It just swam over to the beach. And Yeah, was, I'm, I'm was... hoping, yeah, the, the little vibration mode, it just kind of <laughs> jiggled its way over to the beach. It turned or... into jiggle mode and just went. I'm hoping like a bald eagle was so attracted to its shiny glitteriness. It just swooped down, grabbed it, brought it to its nest. The little baby eagles are worshiping it as a god. It'll be wonderful. Oh, that's great. I tried to call it earlier. No one picked up. Well, you did the first time from your watch, but that was about it. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Technology so integrated. We can't even call the phone because it just goes to my watch. How hilarious is that? Oh, I am sorry, uh, Frank, that that did happen oh, to you. Oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm just going to take a little moment, since we're at minute 56 here, might as well, a little PSA to everyone. Uh, when you buy a very expensive phone, do the cost analysis for AppleCare Plus, because I believe that they will do something for you if you're an idiot like me and allow a bald eagle to steal your phone from you. That I, believe really they'll, I believe they'll give you a brand new phone, Frank. That is what they'll do. <sighs> Don't rub it in, James. Apple Care everyone Plus. out there let's look it up be smarter than Frank so <laughs> it was very expensive for this phone like the more expensive the phone the more expensive Apple Care Plus is so Apple Care Plus I was gonna I did not get it on my new iPhone SE because it was $400 and the Apple Care Plus is $150 and oh more. darn yeah one third the cost darn <laughs> yeah I don't know okay so here is the kicker all right so this is a this is a good cast analysis by the way so your Apple Care Plus with theft and lost deductibles would have been $269. Ooh, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. But it's going to cost more to replace it, right? So my logic is always, I, I only have a phone for a year. And it's hard to lose a phone in a year. But this time I managed it. So I think a normal rational people who keep their phones for three to five years um it's probably a lot more worth it but then again never mind because it probably expires after the first year or two i am not necessarily how sure how much it costs to replace your phone i assume that they give you a new one hashtag question mark now i will say this (laughs) for the dji uh uh replacements the one year mm. and i got an additional two years so that was 79 dollars, and it was i think 49 dollars or 50 dollars to every time you like you give them money it's right. crazy right you give them yeah. money and then you give them more money when you break it but like right. for a drone you're going to be breaking that thing all the time so you might <laughs> get a new one uh, maybe yeah. you james wow what are you doing to that poor drone i mean it started with the adorable I'm just, I'm questioning how you treat your devices. I am a little bit. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, says the guy who dropped his phone in the water, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not sure. Okay, so, oh, I think here's what it is. 
if I think that's the deductible is if you, I think you have to pay them an extra $269. How much does it cost? Hold on. Let's see here. We're going to buy, we're going to buy an iPhone. How do you buy an iPhone? All right. I'm going to buy store.apple.com. You don't have a link to that. I have a bookmark for buy latest phone. So I think it is. It's I important. Think, oh, it already knows. It already knows that I have that phone. Okay. So let me buy a new phone. All right. Yeah. iPhone. You got an 11 pro. This is a bonus. Everyone can turn this off. Go to MergeConflict.fm if you're not interested in here. Thanks for listening. But let's go ahead and buy an iPhone 11 Pro. Let's see what Frank had. Because we're going to do this math and then... Uh, oh, this is go. terrible. So you bought a Max, correct? Why didn't you? Of course you did. No, no, I did not. 11 oh. Pro only. I am over the big phone, James. Midnight they are too big. Green. They are Of too course. Big. Yep. Capacity. And I think I got the medium memory, not the t- largest. 256. All right. Sounds right. Sim free, naturally. Uh, I do not have a phone to do. Oh, here we go. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. It's it's an expensive phone, isn't it? It's a, you'd be know. paying. No, you'd be paying $1,150. For just the phone? Just the phone. What now, maniac would spend that kind of money? That's a great question. I spent, I spent $400 and I had $40 in Best Buy gift cards. So I only paid $360. Look at deal. you. Look at you. And I have the same processor that you did have. So I just want to say that, <laughs> by the way. It doesn't hurt. Just keep keep it coming. I, I'm so, enjoying every bit of this. So had you purchased Apple Care Plus with theft and loss, that would have been an extra $299. Oh, 300 on top. So they do a third. It's literally a third of the price. Wow. Yeah. Now you could do monthly for $14.99 <laughs> a month. That would okay. have been a deal. You know what? I might upgrade to an iPhone 6 next year. That might be what's in the cards for me. But, uh, but here's I the, hear they're on Craigslist. But here's the thing is if you buy this, then you still have to pay $269 to get another one if you lose it. So you would be in $500. So if you lose it, okay, so if you lose it, you end up half saving price. half price, half price. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know if this is official, but sometimes the people at the uh, Apple store are cool and you don't actually pay that. Like mm. maybe it fits within a certain amount of time or something. If they look at your Apple Apple ID and they're like, oh, oh, Mr. Kruger, I see that you've purchased every <laughs> single iPhone that you've ever had. And in fact, you've purchased every Mac that we've ever had. That's very strange. Oh, and you've been paying us how much every year to be an Apple developer for how many years? Oh my goodness. All right, just take all the phones, sir. There you go. Uh, I, uh, that's, if only it worked that way. If only. <laughs> I don't think they care. But that's fun. Um, yeah, I, wow, now that you did the math, I'm actually not sure. Maybe I should have to revoke the PSA. I don't know, people. Do the math. I don't think I will. <laughs> Flip I don't a coin know. at this point because it's 50-50. <laughs> you, you could do the, you could have done the, you could, I think for you, if you get a new phone every year, you might as well do the monthly because... Then over a year, you're only going to be... No, that's... Wait, how, what's, what's 15? No, I don't think it'll work out. So what Apple does have is like an update program Ooh. where you're basically leasing a phone constantly. Yeah, and that works out well. The It just doesn't work for me because I like to keep dev devices and yeah. because I like to pass my phones down the family chain. But here's the problem, Frank, is that you can't keep the phone if it's in the bottom of the Puget Sound. Yeah, James. I realized that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having way too much Thank fun. Thank you for bringing it Sorry, to my attention. I, to, I will say I am extreme. I am, although I will say I've never been more worried about breaking a phone than I have been in the last five days with this iPhone because it is so slippery and slidey. It's just, it is. Yeah. You, I'm on the couch and it's like, I'm just going to fall right off. And I'm like, what are you doing? I feel like I a magician. I feel like a magician learning like card hand tricks, like the way I'm able to manipulate this phone in my hand without losing a solid grip or what I think of as a solid grip. No one should be listening to me right now. I dropped my phone in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know, the saddest part of it is uh, find my phone app. Yeah. Just I can I can watch its battery slowly drain. No. I'm like, oh, poor little guy, your that battery. Means, oh, that, that means that you so so your phone is IP68 uh graded yeah so yeah. It, it must not be that deep where you drop no. it yeah actually i think i dropped it in a bunch of lily pads so it's potentially on top of a bunch of lily pads right now uh, or you know it may be 
it, it could be on top or maybe it's just a little bit underwater because the lily pad would have gone down. And then that could, that could signal why your GPS might be a little fuzzy because water, I assume that has to manipulate GPS. Oh, water is terrible for all signals. Yeah. yeah. If it's more than a foot down, I don't think it would get out, but um, yeah. yeah, it's possible. It's a foot down. Oh my goodness. We'll have to send a scavenging crew that probably costs a thousand dollars an hour <laughs> to hire. Well, I want you to go back out tomorrow in your kayak that's half deflated and then try to find it. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. Just my keep calling it and see if it's a hole in it. Oh, you know what'd be cool <laughs> is if you go out at night and then you call it and it lights up. Okay, that that is kind of cool. I'll give yeah. you credit there. there That'd you go. be fun. That'd be good. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. I have to go, Frank. Uh, this has been one hundred. We've 100- spoken for a while, James. This is yeah. this was a fun podcast, though. This wasn't a lightning round, but I feel like we did a lot of topics on this one. We did do a lot, and we'll see in six months if I'm back to Android or not. And that will be our update in episode two hundred and twenty-eight of Merge Conflict. So tune in for that one. But until then, head over to MergeConflict.fm for all the latest podcasts and our Discord and our Twitter and all the things. Go ahead and follow us there. So that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.